Return to Camp Blood, episode 72. It's alive! This episode is brought to you by Jason6.com. This is cursed. Jason's alive. He killed my friend, now he's coming to me. It's got a death curse. Jason's a legend. I'm Mrs. Ward, an old friend of the Christie's. Jason belongs in hell. You're doing if you stay here. Never come back again. Welcome to another episode of Return to Camp Blood. I'm your host, Chris, joined by my fellow counselors, Eric. What's up, y'all? Nate. What's up, guys? And Scar. Hey, everyone. Well, he was the last man to portray the Camp Crystal Lake Marauder before the hotter era, and C.J. Graham certainly made an impression. The advent of Zombie Jason began with Graham in the sixth chapter of the Friday the 13th saga, Jason Lives, and he killed it. Graham's masked madman hacked his way through a very fun flick in a very unforgiving way. He's our guest, and we are very excited to welcome C.J. Graham to return to Camp Blood. How are you tonight, CJ? Hey, I'm doing good. Nice to talk to you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thanks for being on, sir. Mm-hmm. Hey. Um, so how how did you get in to be involved with um with the part six to begin with? Long story short is I was the general manager of a nightclub in Glendale, California, and I had a hypnotist show on Thursday night. The hypnotist decided to bring in a production company to put a promotional tape together. He happened to hire uh, a, a group called Real Effects right across from Paramount Studios. And when they came in to do the thing, they decided to put a scary act into the hypnotist show through suggestive thoughts. And uh, one of the guys said, hey, well, let's do a Jason. You know, we did all the special effects for part four. So we got this and we got we know everything. And let's use CJ. Look at, you know, look at his big ass over there standing and he would be a perfect Jason. So. Seriously, when I say the rest is history, uh, they did put me in a wardrobe. I did come through the screen, just like in the video for uh, Alice Cooper. But I did that at a nightclub, large nightclub, about 15,000 square feet. And as I said, the rest is just history. They thought it was amazing. And they kept staying and laughing. We need to cast you as the next Jason because of the persona that I put across the stage in the image when I stepped out. Yeah, I'm sure your your so, time in, in the military helped with that, huh? <laughs> well, I think yeah, you think some of that is my poise, my posture, the way I walk, you know, yeah. I think that, you know, sets you apart when you walk into a room. Um, as I said, they they said about it, they joked, and I thought, yeah, right, you know, in, in Hollywood you hear all these great stories and I did not go to LA to be an actor. So uh last the last laugh was on me because they called me a couple months later to go meet Frank Mancuso Jr., Paramount Studios, and Michael Nomad, and Tom McLaughlin. Again, not knowing who they were at the time, walked in there and interviewed and felt good. They felt good. Michael Nomad was very comfortable, as you just indicated, with my background, you know, the military, my physical capabilities, that I could handle myself with all the stunts and I'd be fine. Um, unfortunately, you know, I was not cast originally and the gentleman that was cast, um, did a few days on the daily shots and his daily came back. It didn't just resonate with what they were looking for. The home studio wasn't satisfied. Tom McLaughlin wasn't really, you know, feeling good. 
And uh, I get a call on a Friday. Uh, can you go to Cummington, Georgia? And I said, yes. And on Saturday, they confirmed. And on Monday, I was on an airplane to Cummington, Georgia, Atlanta. And now the, the rest is history. <laughs> oh, well, speaking of, uh, that was Dan Bradley, um, uh, who was the guy in the paintball scene. Was there, was there ever any talk about you reshooting those scenes? or No. And the reason for that is there is one daylight scene I'm in. It's when I'm looking at the arm. And, and with all respect, you know, you can tell the difference in uh, physical structure between the two of us. Um, but they'd already done the paintball scene. They'd already done the special effects with the heads coming off. That was a lot to reshoot. So since it was just the actual paintballs hitting the, the midsection, um, they kind of let it flow. And, and and probably most people pick up that looks like it's not CJ, but they also just assume I've got a lot of padding on for the paintballs. So, you know, a different size waistline, and it, it shows differently on the, on the film. That's that's an understatement. <laughs> well, like like I told uh, Eric earlier, you can ask me a question. I'll always be respectful and politically correct. I mean, what you're looking for doesn't make it bad or good, but the image just wasn't reflected as they wish. Oh yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, you yeah, you, there's a stark difference between um Dan Bradley as as Jason and you. Stark difference. So, um. Well, with that in mind, with Dan Bradley, CJ, have you have you had any contact with Dan? I mean, over the years, has has there been any you know anything said between the two of you you know over what happened? Never. In fact, and to be fair uh, to Mr. Bradley, I understand he's been very successful over the years in front of behind the camera in some other ways. Um, I think at the time, I think he was a stuntman, um, but I, I I honestly don't even know what he looks like. Um, so. I've never seen him anything, but I've heard that he's actually done a, a good job in his career of what he's extended into over the years. And I think that may have just been a phase of his life, like so many of them go through. You know, they start as bit actors or they start out behind the scenes of special effect makeup. And before you know it, they're in front of the camera. No different than some of your directors that like to have cameos in their movies. So I've, I've never had contact. I don't think most people have. I don't think he has a negative reaction. In fact, I think with the, the qualifications and criteria he has now as a director and a producer and things that he's doing, he probably himself would know what image he was trying to create if he was to do a horror movie with a character of size. Right on. So in that beginning scene, uh, when Tommy Jarvis and Horshack comes and uh, revives you, so to speak, <laughs> as Jason, I mean, you're laying in mire and muck. I mean, it's and things are crawling all around you. I, how how long were you? Did that scene take to shoot, and how long were you in the ground? Well, there's 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 three or four POVs, point of views, and three or four different shots. So let's break them down. There's one shot with the worms and everything crawling all over the body. It's a dummy. Mm-hmm. Right, to be fair, so I'm not even in that casket at that time. That's just a dummy that they put together and they lay down there with the the, the head piece, etc. Then there's the scene where the eye opens up. Mm-hmm. Now, that just so you know, when that eye opens up, that's not my eye. To be fair, Chris, who was one of the special effects people, I was on set shooting another scene, and they wanted to get the secondary uh, shot done. So Chris 
glued everything around his eye because if you think about it, it's a very close-up of the eye. He happened to have similar color eyes of eye that I have, and they threw the maggots on him with the maggot wranglers, we called them, mm-hmm. and they used Q-tips to keep them out of his eye, and they shot that one POV quickly. So as you can see, things are shot in different designs, and Chris is his name, is actually the one that had the maggots on his eye. And then when I stand up and get out and all the maggots they threw on my head that dropped to my feet, that's me. So it's really uh, movie magic, and credit needs to be given to everybody. I'm not a hog when it comes to credit, but um, Chris is the one that had the maggots on his eye. So, you know, good job, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So... You know, the one, the only person ever played Jason more than once is obviously Kane Hodder. Um, were you ever offered to Ooh. come back? Okay. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> were you ever offered uh, to come back for uh, part seven? Yeah, I was. Actually, Kane will tell you the same story. And if you look on my website, there's a, a little a spoof about it. And Kane tells you the same thing. Um and he's very kind and very respectful. We probably, of all the Jasons, have the best relationship. Um, I've respected his position for doing the four, and he makes it quite known that, you know, I was in the I was the, the selection for part seven, uh, but he had a relationship with the director. He had worked for the director before, and he really lobbied, and that's his word. He very he lobbied heavily to get that part um, because he wanted it. And again, just recently, if you were in the uh, the question and answer, he was very respectful about of the Jasons. There was a lot of good things that, you know, CJ myself had done. So, yes, I was in the running for seven. Yes, I would have had seven, but I didn't know the director. And even though it was a Frank Mancuso Jr. film, Paramount Studios, the director kind of always has the last say. And so Kane was able to step into the role, reprise it. And, you know, he had to step in, what I like to say, some big shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. You know, I think he did, and, you know, I think he did well. I mean, the nice thing is, in my personal opinion, they should have carried the character. Once it became a person of a, be it my size or, you know, um, part four, Ted White size, which is about my size, I'm a little thicker. You got to maintain, it would have been nice that they maintained consistency all the way through the last series. All the guys that have been involved have done a wonderful job. But from a consistency perspective, the consumer gets to look at a certain body build and a certain demeanor, and it carries when you start a series, when you start going through five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, it, it carries better. And I use Batman as an excuse. When you look at Batman over the years, I like some of the characters better than the other, and you just don't know what you're going to get with each new actor. They're all incredible actors on their own right, but I kind of like personally to see how the character is the same. Robin England did a great job all the way through. The last gentleman did a nice job. With all due respect, he worked very hard. But you've gotten so used to Robert, it kind of threw a monkey wrench into what you're used to seeing on screen as far as um, the personality and how they act. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and Jackie Earl Haley, I believe, was cast as Freddie first uh, uh, after Kane Hodder was uh, offered the position, I, I do believe. And Right. And I, I, use, I use James. I, I use Bond, 007. It's a great series, but there are some bonds that resonate better than others. You know, I, I don't, it's not a right or wrong at the end of the day. It's just that I think if you're carrying a series, consistency in the mannerism of each one of the characters through the series, I think is important to the consumer, the fan. 
Right on. So <laughs> at at any point filming the movie, did you get so involved in the character that it was overwhelming to the people that you were killing, uh, meaning that you may have been a little more rough than you should have been? Yeah, no, I, I don't know if that's the case per se, but I will tell you that these actors were amazing. And what I mean by that is they allowed me physically to dominate, physically to throw them, pick them up, flip them over into different positions and allowed me to do so without injuring them. It, that's just uh, that's just amazing. And uh, one of my favorite kills in the entire film is the when you bend the sheriff in half and that's that's just classic i mean that to, for me that's the proverbial shower scene uh alfred hitchcock from psycho that scene seeing you bend that dude in half and i mean that's just brutal that's that's awesome yeah i think that if you look at all the kills some of the kills in today's world would be better because there was extra film shot Horshack, when his heart was pulled out, you see it go through his back, but there was a close-up of the heart beating and blood squirting out of the heart. Of course, you couldn't allow it back in those days. Today, they'd allow it. You know, when squeezing the the, uh, deputy's brains popping out, it was a little more gore involved that they had to cut away. The back break was pretty clean. You know, it was a pretty unique um, break as far as how you done, because everybody asked, well, you know, what's your favorite kill? Um, I think the series in, in totality has some great kills. Each one, I think, have their own specialty of what people think a kill looks like. Some people like gore, 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 gore. But yet everybody likes something different. A lot of people think that Kane's best kill was a sleeping bag. Well, what did you see? Nothing. You heard some breaking of some bones, but it was just so powerful the way it was done. That's kind of like breaking of the back. It's the same way. Which, <clears throat> speaking of Kane once again, and 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 my fellow co-host here probably, yeah, Ooh. exactly, exactly. <laughs> and 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 I will say that just a couple weeks ago, I I did have the the honor of being around Kane and CJ at the same time, and and Kane called CJ. Okay, I, lo- I love you, Kane. I'm sending out some love, Kane, just so you know. <laughs> and Kane Kane referred to CJ as BJ, which I thought was, you know, good one, good one for Kane, I guess. So. Yeah, we uh, we go back and forth because I call him a punk, and he calls me, hey, BJ, get over here and take a photo. That's his way of him (laughs) and I. And I don't know know if this was your idea per se. Maybe it was Steve Dash's, but I I heard a rumor about his Scarefest, in which obviously Eric and I were there. But I heard a a rumor that you guys signed over Kane Hodder's signature on somebody's poster. Oh, that's a fact. There's, there's no rumor. Let's, nice, let's, nice. Give me a rumor. It's a fact. And there I think there. About, no, I, I got this cover. This is a good one. A this Joel Robinson art classic. print, maybe. Does that sound right? Yeah, this is this is classic. He signed four different spots. So I yes, said, okay, that's I'll the one. My spot. And I asked the guy. I said, "I'll tell you what." I said, "Kane signed it in four spots." I go, "I'll give you fifty dollars if you let me sign over his name on part seven. And he goes, okay. I said, give him $50. So he took the 50 and I signed right over Kane in black, CJ Graham. Awesome. So you know, Steve Dash, he's like, I go, Steve, come on, buddy. Let me see what you got. And he was like, oh, I'll do it. You know, he, he, he hates everybody. So he'll do anything. So he signed <laughs> over, he, he signed right over another autograph. So now we, we put Ari in it 
and Ari's like, well, you know, gosh, and come on, Ari, grow a pair. Let's go. And he finally did it. You know, so now this guy takes it back over and shows Kane of his four autographs. Three of them have been signed through by other Jasons, and his one <laughs> autograph is still there. And from what I heard, his response was assholes with a middle finger towards you guys. Because for our listeners who may not have been at Scarefest, I seen it myself. Uh, Steve, Ari, and CJ's tables were all next to each other, and Kane was a little bit catty corner. So I guess they got the middle finger from across the room. Yeah, he was quite a ways away. You know, we sometimes have to put Kane in a corner a little bit, um, and, and the rest of us get along. Nobody it's like it. having it's like having that brother at the table that you gotta you gotta put him in a timeout periodically because he won't stop playing with his food. So, <laughs> right. But, but you know, all all fun aside, I can guarantee you that you know I and I think Kane would say the same thing. Of all the Jasons, him and I are probably the closest. We've always kept in communication. Just two weeks ago, they had that terrible hurricane down in Florida, and he was heading down there to a convention that same week. I was immediately texting him, hey, are you okay? Where are you? And he had bunkered down in the hotel he was at. The The convention had been canceled, but he was already there. But I was reaching out to make sure he was okay. Nice. Yes, I did see videos on social media that Kane had posted uh, out on his balcony you know, the winds and, you know, everything that was kind of going on with the storm. So, yeah, that's an unfortunate yeah, thing was, to happen. Yeah, exactly. I understand they have, I understand that event has been, uh, they're doing it, I think, in December. I could be wrong, but I just saw something that uh, the promoters are trying to get it done yet this year, but it probably won't have the same effect because a lot of people planned their travel time around that. Yeah, I did see that. I think you're right. I think it was December, so at least at least they're able to reschedule. I mean, obviously there's inconveniences there, but at least they're they're able to do that. Right. But I will tell you, you know, as you start uh, interviewing all the different Jasons and stuff, and, and it really doesn't matter. I mean, a couple of people get jealous because they got to do something another person didn't. But at the end of the day, it's a bunch of guys. We're all brothers from a different mother, we say. But at the end of the day, it's still part of an iconic brand, worldwide recognition that we all share in the flavor of being part of having, if not the best, one of the largest fan bases in the world. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Eric. Uh, and uh, just just doing this for what we're coming up on. We're at about a year and a half doing this show. And we're, we're exclusively Friday the 13th. And our numbers, it's phenomenal. How many countries are we listened to? In I don't know off the top of my head, but last check, it was like over 100, I think. And it's growing. I mean, I did this 30 years ago, and I still am amazed every time I sit there and you see a line of 20, 30, 40 people to get your autograph. I do my best to make sure I interact with every single one of my fans that come up to my table. And there are times... They just want to meet you, and they can't afford to buy a picture, but do they mind if they take a photograph of you? And like I tell them, photographs with me are free. Let's get a photograph. Buy a photo when you can, but at the end of the day, I can't do this without the fan base. because. And I've had people who have taken photos with me and come back to another show specifically just to get an autograph because they had the money for the autograph the next show because I stopped going down the convention to take photos with somebody or shook somebody's hand or in some cases, you know, 
just the appreciation that I showed their children, uh, they had to come back and get an autograph at a later time the same day. Yeah, you were one of my favorite. Like when I first went to conventions, you were the reason I first went to them. And I had showed you I had a Jason mask tattoo done like right before that. And I got your autograph on a picture of you and Alice Cooper. And then I think it was like last year I went to another convention and I showed you I had your autograph tattooed above my Jason mask. And you actually right. like, took a picture of it on your cell phone. And for me as a fan, that was really great that you would, you know, cared enough to take a picture of it. I just thought that was real neat. Well, again, we, and I speak for everybody, all the Jasons, we don't have the fan base or the luxury um, to say, well, we don't care. Because if, if you didn't care about us, we wouldn't have what we have right now. So that goes back to the original question way back. Chris asked about the military. I think we were offline at the time, but. A lot of that comes with honor and integrity. And, you know, you've got to play it forward sometimes. That's just part of playing it forward. And speaking of the military and and trying to mix together a variety of Jasons whenever I dress up. So how many of your movements are abbreviated facing movement as as the Jason character? When you mean abbreviated, what do you mean? Bring that out a little further. Well, some... uh, some of your movements uh, look like either a, a left face or an about face when you turn around. And I, I always pictured, I, I, until recently, I didn't know that you had a military background as well. And uh, then I was like, oh, that makes sense. The way his body moves throughout the entire film uh, is, it seems like they're abbreviated uh, facing movements. And I, I, I think it's awesome. And it, it plays into the intimidation of Jason, I think. Yeah, good good question. And the reason I asked you to explain that, because most people don't understand what you just said. Now that you've explained it, it's really simple. People don't understand what a right face, uh, uh, you know, do an about face. They don't understand that movement with your feet, your pivot points. Yep. So with me, again, a lot of it's natural when you see me walk. Um, I'm a very natural walker, you know, 30 inches all around, you know, arms left, right, 30 inch steps. Um, you know, I can go in the middle of the night and count 100 steps. Actually, for me, it's 105 steps. And I know that is 100 meters because sometimes in the military, you can't use light. You have to use your steps to distinguish your distance. So you get used to going how far your steps are consistency. So you can mark out 100 yards in the middle of the night, in the middle of blackness. So if you take and watch my steps, everything is the same. I didn't do a full left face, right face, about face, but I did pivot in the same format on the direction that I was pivoting, be it to the left or my left foot. So the movement was a nice, clean flow and wasn't a jerky reaction. So it looked authoritative and at the same time fearful because it was just too clean. Exactly. And it, it just plays so amazing on screen. It, it really does. And I think that's one of the things, that's why, you know, I, you know, again, Kane's an example. You put him in four, you might as well finish the series because people have gotten accustomed to his body size. And ours is a little different, you know. Um, I have different size traps than he does. My arms are different size. My shoulders are different size, you know. Um, our faces are a little different. He has a more square face, which you can't see behind the hockey mask. I have a more oval face. Uh, and when I say that, I'll give you an example. When I did Highway to Hell, when I played Hellcop, uh, again, 
somebody was already been framed into the prosthetics. They had spent $100,000 on prosthetics. When the gentleman found out they really weren't going to see his face anywhere in the film, he backed out. Well, Kane and I both went out for that part. But based on aesthetics of our face and the prosthetics that had already been created, I have a more oval face. They were able to use his appliances on my face better than Kane's face. So I got the part and Kane didn't. Right on. So what was it like working with Alice Cooper and being in the video of the man behind the mask? Well, Alice, number one, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of interaction until uh, the music came out, the video and stuff. So up until that point, the film was shot, it was done, and then I was back on set taking photos with him. And there are some photos that aren't out there that I've never seen. I have a couple uh, snapshots uh, of Alice holding the mask along his face, um, the man behind the mask showing half Jason, half him, and the same thing with me with a mask of him with the teardrops, half it, half me. There are some pictures out there of me and him holding pitchforks that really never made it to the general contra- uh, the general population. Whoever the photographer was, somewhere they're there. But I still have a few of those shots because they give you the little uh, Polaroid. And I still have a couple Polaroids from that shoot when you're getting ready to do some sets. Working with him was phenomenal. Of course, he's not as big as I am. Um, I Last time I worked closely with him was a show that we did a reunion was a monster mania if i remember correctly and uh we did something in the back room i think it was dave's show from monster mania and alice cooper was there um i do remember doing one show in texas several years back 10 years ago roughly maybe 12 years ago he was there and i remember sending a guitar over to him to have him autograph it for me and it was for my son and he put uh to duffy uh your father uh your father is a strange individual and he autographed at Alice Cooper. So, but he's a very down-to-earth gentleman. Um, you know, he's playing, just, you know, in a couple of weeks, about eight miles from me at the Fantasy Casino. Uh, he'll be on stage performing. And if you remember, I live in Coachella Valley. I'm about 250 miles from Phoenix. And he does live in Phoenix. He hosts a radio show in Phoenix. He has a restaurant in Phoenix. And from what I hear, he's a phenomenal dance or dancer. He's a phenomenal uh, golfer. Yep. And he's still out there on the road doing shows. Yeah, I have um when he when I met you at one of your at your table, you had a black and white eight by ten of you and Alice Cooper, and I had I got that one, and I told you if I ever met Alice Cooper, I was going to have him sign it. And actually, it was the next year I got to meet him, and he was telling people about the Fangoria cover, and like right yep. after his story, I handed him that cover to have him sign it. It was so funny. He's like, "This is the picture I was just talking about." Yeah, I think he, you know, he's he's an icon by himself, but I think he's proud that he's part of the franchise. I actually believe that, you know, they're, they're, the photos that we took and the things um, he enjoys seeing them. I've got a couple color ones that are out there. I only brought the one this past because I knew there'd be more of a draw because it was a Friday the 13th. When I do the one in Chicago, I'm going to bring three um, Alice Cooper photos that we've done because I think the Alice Cooper photos that he and myself will go better because he's there in the availability for people to get both signatures that both love Alice Cooper and the Friday the 13th series. Yeah, that's my most prized autographed piece of collection I own is that with both of your guys' signatures on it. Cool. Well, I do have a question, though, uh, if we can back it up when we were talking about Kane Hodder and my, my co-host. Who? They, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. I'm sorry, who? 
and I know I know my co-hosts. They they expect me to ask this question because I, I've made this known on other shows and made it known publicly before. I mean, part six is my favorite. You're my favorite, Jason. I love the portrayal, so I thank you for that. So moving moving past that, uh, we've had some discussions, you know, about how Jason's character is portrayed, you know, from from Kane's portrayal from seven onward. And what I really, really like, I mean, the things that you did with Jason, you know, I, I like a lot of them. But the big thing for me is we don't see you breathing in part six like we see Kane breathing as the zombie Jason. So you were the first zombie Jason and we don't see you breathing. So maybe you can let us know, you know, kind of what was going on with why we don't see, you know, you breathing. But then when we see Kane, it's an exaggerated. I just ran a marathon breathing. So. Maybe you could let us know about that. So I can make it real easy. Kane will tell you the same thing. That was something Kane put into it to personalize the Jason character to him. Just rather than just replicate. I even told him when I first saw part seven, which I think is the best of the four that he did, in my opinion. I think it was set up well. I think the way it was set up in the woods was well. The portrayal was well. Um, the first thing I said to him after he'd done it, I said, Kane, the dude is dead. Why are you breathing on screen? <laughs> and, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. And he'll always, he always remembers that, but his, and he, he had a good point. He goes, well, that's, he goes, yeah, I know. He goes, but I was trying to create my own, you know, persona as what I was going to care. So once he did that in every one of the seven, the eight, the nine, the 10, he always had that movement of breathing which also allows you to expand your lats of your back and your arms out to, to make yourself look bigger, you know, so that you're more intimidating to show anger. Um, I'm a rather large person at about 6'3", 250. I don't have to work too hard on intimidation just walking in because I'm abstract. I'm a little bit large. Um, Kane is a little bit shorter than I, um, and that was his way of his persona to come across as larger. So it's not that it's a bad or a right thing, but I said, dude, you're underwater. You've been dead for how many years? You came back to life like Frankenstein in the 60s. Frankenstein doesn't breathe. If you go back to that, Tom McLaughlin was very direct with me. Tom McLaughlin is an old horror fan of the 60s, Werewolf, Lon Chaney, Dracula, etc. And the Frankenstein concept he wanted, did not. he did not want robotic. If you think about it, 30 years ago, it's almost like one of the first theories of Dawn with the Dead or the uh, Dawn of the Dead right. or the Living Dead, um, the Walking Dead, whatever other show is out there now. Jason was just standing there and just continue to go forward no matter what you did. Well, let's go back to the 60s and look at Lon Chaney playing Frankenstein. The only difference is he put his arms out as he walked towards you. Otherwise, if he put his arms down alongside you, he continuously flowed. The only difference, again, going back to your question about my movement, I didn't stumble. I was very smooth about my walk and very methodical about how I went forward. So I think that's the difference between me and Kane. And once Kane did that, he was locked into that for eight, nine, and 10. Yeah. I mean, I could see how that would be, you know, once you did it, you know, for part seven, and then you have to obviously, you know, reprise the role later on. But uh, that's just always a thing that I've brought up, you know, with my fellow co-hosts and other people was, you know, the issue of the breathing, you know, which, you know, it, what we didn't see it in part six. So why do we see it later? You know, and there's, there's always speculation there. So I just kind of always wondered, you know, what your thought was about that, because 
had you reprised the role in part seven, would you have been directed to do that or would that have been a separate issue? I would, I mean, I would have been directed whatever I was told to do by my director, I would have done. But I think, as I recall from Kane, that was his personal touch to create the position that he wanted. Um, I would have done what I did because I just thought personally, from my perspective, looking at something, if you're dead, you're dead. You don't get exactly. to breathe if you're dead. And if you're some type of a living dead, you're still dead. You know, people don't breathe when they're dead. There's no reason to. They're now just a spirit and a body going through the motion. Exactly. So, uh, But again, if the director would have said, I want you to run like Derek Mears and be more methodical about your kills, then that's what I would have done because that's what that director had in their creative mind of how they wanted the character to be perceived. And again, you're working. That doesn't mean I wouldn't have asked, do you, you want to you break away from what we're having? But at the end of the day, yes, this is what I want. Done. You got it. I would have handled it the same way. But I, I'm, not, I'm under the impression that was Kane individually taking the character and putting his own twist on it. And I'm pretty sure Kane has told me that before. Yeah, we've just had that discussion amongst ourselves and obviously on some other episodes. So I just wanted to point out to my co-host that you just heard it from the original Part 6, Jason. The same shit of what I've said, so fuck you guys. <laughs> okay, so much for that political correctness. <laughs> I, I just had to let him know. We've had this debate for quite a while. Yeah, I'm pretty confident, though. I remember Kane mentioned it because I gave him a hard time about it, making fun of him, and and that was his twist, you know, to give him some ownership and some, you know, competitive value of his own, which I get. Everybody wants to put their own spin on it. Um, I didn't move. I didn't move on the screen like Richard did. If you think about it, um, and I didn't move on the screen. And you think about it because at those days, Jason wasn't really considered dead. He was considered a mental issue that didn't feel pain and didn't understand. It wasn't until part six where he was brought back to life with the lightning bolt, going back to Frankenstein in the '60s, being brought to life with the lightning. And if you remember person's dead so there's no reason for the lungs to work it's all body now exactly which was my point in other episodes that we've had so you know you know regardless okay, you, win. Of, you win the grand prize there there we go there we go we'll get you a sucker nate thank you <laughs> well i think we're gonna um uh sign off of here with uh, one more question um scar do you want to you want to ask that one sir yeah, uh, the question that they always ask uh, you guys is, what is the strangest request you've ever had from a fan, be it at a convention or otherwise? Like the you strangest know, I don't thing know to sign. The word strange, because I guess each person has their own definition of strange. Um, but nobody's asked me anything that I don't think would be unreasonable, or something I would be embarrassed to do in front of my mom. You know, is the way I look at that, or my wife. So I can't really. I don't think there's anything anybody's actually do that's, you know. I think it's unusual uh, when people want me to sign their arms so they can go get a tattoo. But is that strange? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, when you think about it, I mean, is yeah. that strange? I, I don't, in today's world, there's nothing that surprises me, but I'm honored when people say, hey, will you sign my arm? You know, we're doing a tattoo convention and a horror convention, so I'm going to run over next door and get a tattoo. And I'm like, you sure you want my signature? You don't want like Marilyn Monroe or somebody? And they're like, no, man, I don't want yours. I don't think it's strange at the same time. Um, I, I don't really have anything that I can put my finger on that's odd. I know I, I'm curious, you know, I'll ask you the question. What are some of the odd things that you've heard from other people you've interviewed? 
Ted White was the most colorful uh, whenever he, we asked him that question. <laughs> there was there there was there was that one uh, guy who was asked to make because well, we also interview like um, uh, people who make costumes and mask makers and stuff like that. And one of the guys said someone had asked him to make a huge vagina. That was uh, Tim Miller from Dirt Nap FX. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess I'm going to have to to say I got nothing for that. I got nothing. <laughs> all, I, all I will tell you, if it's okay, you know, I'd like to do two things if I could plug a couple things. Um, sure. I'd like to thank everybody, most importantly, for their support. I'd like you, if you'd invite me back, I'd love to come back. Um, I know you guys know I've got a website, um, you know, so I'm going to plug it. It's jason6.com, or you can just put cjgram.com, and it goes to my website. Um, the last page of that website, uh, I'm going to start putting some of the upcoming events that I'll be attending so that the fans are know. And as you know, um, I'll be in Chicago uh, next month, in the middle of the month, for three days doing a show there. But I would like to thank everybody and, and for inviting me on the show. It's an honor to be here. Um, I'm a very appreciative for what I have, what I've done, and for everybody's support. So at the end of the day, let me thank you and the fans for your trust of the character that I've done. And I'm always happy to hear that part six is a lot of people's favorite, even though I always tell them, don't tell Kane that because he'll cry. Kane so, who? With that being <laughs> yeah, don't tell Kane. You know, Kane, Kane who? I always say, yeah, exactly. I always say, just tell Kane what he wants to hear. Give him a big hug, you know, group hug, and then walk away. Yeah, Kane hasn't been on the show, so he's Kane who right now. Yes, he is. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you know what? When you guys are ready for me, give me a shout back in a few months, and we'll more than happily go through some more, and talk a little more, and see if there's anything we can cover some of the highway to hell as that it gets out there on Blu-ray and becomes more and more popular where people are got its own little cult following. Um, but I do appreciate, you know, everybody uh, bringing me into their their uh, podcast and allowing me to speak and be heard. So thank you everyone so very much. Thank you. Yeah, it was a, it was a pleasure talking to you. We really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was a pleasure to to meet you at Scarefest and be able to hang out a little bit. And we're just honored to have you on the show. And I look forward to seeing you in a few weeks in Chicago. I'll be there. All right. Enjoy. All right. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to the show. If you want to support us financially, head over to campbloodpodcast.com slash donate. If you have a question or a theory, you can hit us up on the website in the contact tab or comment on the show notes at campbloodpodcast.com slash 72. A special thanks goes out to the Downriver Rat for our intro and outro music. You can check his stuff out at thedownriverrat.com. Until next time.